What's up, everybody? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's episode 33, and today I record this on September 11th, a day that we should never forget, and we should honor those who lost their lives on that tragic day in history. Where do we begin on today's podcast? I'll tell you what, the NFL is back, and that's a reason in itself to celebrate. The NFL, the greatest sport, the king of them all, has returned. And last night, the Houston Texans went into Kansas City to play the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And Kansas City steamrolled them. Final score was 34-20. But right out of the gates, you knew. And if you were me, you called yourself an idiot over and over and over again if you took the Texans plus nine and a half. We should have seen this coming. Kansas City brings everyone back from their Super Bowl run. They even add a running back. First rounder, LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And what does he do? He only carries the ball for, what, 24 times, 160-something yards and a touchdown. And in my fantasy drafts, I said, man, I think this guy's ranked a little bit too high for a rookie running back. And that's another reason why I should slap myself upside the head. You were putting this guy into a number one rated offense who's averaged 30 points a game for the last three seasons. And when they're down by 20 plus points like they were a few times in the playoffs, you don't look away because you know they're coming back. And Clyde Solaire is another weapon that the Chiefs have at their disposal. And the Texans got it straight ahead yesterday. Mahomes threw for three touchdowns. I think he had another 300-yard passing game. Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown. You knew that was coming. And people with making Super Bowl predictions, I usually throw one out on Twitter just so I have one out there. But if the Kansas City Chiefs aren't in your Super Bowl prediction, I know I'm overreacting. I don't care. I know it's week one. But I'm going to put my money on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to be at least one of the teams to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. The NFC is where you can make your pick and kind of get cute about it. But the AFC, no way. And I know, you're like, you're crazy. It was one game against the Houston Texans who traded away their best player, DeAndre Hopkins, and have a buffoon as their head coach, Bill O'Brien. No, no. I'm just confident that the MVP, Patrick Mahomes, is going to do a lot of great things and continue to do great things for a long time with a hell of a coach named Andy Reid. So, yes, me and my brother took the Texans plus nine and a half last night. I didn't feel good about it from the start because it started at nine points. Then it went up to nine and a half, and I think by game time it was at ten and a half. And that was the betters or the odds makers saying, hey, we need people to pick the Texans. Because they're on to us. Everyone's money is on the Chiefs. So they were begging people to take the Texans. And me and my brother took the bait. And we're 0-1 to start the NFL season. But I'm happy I'm back. I'll take that first L as long as we have the NFL season back. And let's stick to the NFL. I already brought up one storyline that we're going to hear all year. The Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be front and center. And they will be front and center because 
always the talk after the Super Bowl is, can this team possibly go undefeated? We saw it a million times with the New England Patriots. And the Chiefs had the talent to possibly go undefeated. So that's going to be one storyline. But let's jump to another storyline. It's fun to predict storylines throughout an NFL season because they're staring us straight in the face. Of course, at the top of that list, in front of a Kansas City Chiefs possible run at another Super Bowl title back-to-back, it's got to be Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You want weapons at your disposal? After last year, how many times did we hear that Tom Brady didn't have the talent he would like to surround him? Well, now he's got Chris Godwin, who bursted onto the scene last year with Jameis Winston as his quarterback. You got Mike Evans, who was an absolute behemoth on the outside at receiver. Made Johnny Manziel who he was at Texas A&M. I mean, how many times can you go back and watch a Texas A&M game and see Johnny Manziel throw the ball up there like he's playing six flags up because he knew he had Mike Evans? And not only that, but Gronkowski comes back. And I'm excited to see Gronk after a year off how dominant he could be. By all accounts, greatest tight end in the history of the game. He latches back on to Tom Brady and they're in Tampa. And then at the running back position, you have Ronald Jones the third, And then they picked up Leonard Fournette just a few weeks ago at running back when he got cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they got LaShawn McCoy. And I think it's going to go absolutely great in Tampa Bay. It will. I think they're in a tough division with the New Orleans Saints. The Atlanta Falcons, not so far removed from a Super Bowl run. Carolina Panthers, maybe the worst team. But top heavy over there in the NFC South. And I can't see it going wrong in Tampa. I just can't. Bruce Arians, one of the brilliant offensive minds in the National Football League. And all those weapons surrounding Tom Brady. And we saw last year, oh, is Tom Brady dropping off? No, I think there was a lot to do with the guys that were surrounding him. Julian Edelman and a bunch of guys that we had heard of that week when the New England Patriots won on the stage. And when Antonio Brown did play on the New England Patriots, one week, I think, in Miami against the Dolphins, we saw how dominant he was in Tom Brady. So once again, if you're going to place your money anywhere, probably do it on the GOAT. And this weekend, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kick off their season at the Superdome in New Orleans, it's going to be the first time in over 70 games that Tom Brady is considered an underdog. Can you believe that? That is a stat right there. Tom Brady has been favored in 70-plus consecutive games. Rightfully so. And right now, the lines, I'm looking on oddshark.com. Tampa Bay is going in to that game against the Saints at plus four and a half. And that's another one where I think you're out of your mind if you don't take the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yes, I know New Orleans. They've been together for a while. Obviously, this could be Drew Brees' last run at the whole thing. Kamara, the best receiver in football, Michael Thomas. They added Emmanuel Sanders. They got Malcolm Jenkins on the defensive side now. Still got Cameron Jordan. Obviously, that's a team to be reckoned with in the NFC, but I'm taking that four and a half points because a lot of stories came out that Tom Brady was working with dudes when he probably wasn't supposed to when COVID started. But Tom Brady 
obviously got the cops called him when he was working out at a park. Bruce Arians offense. I'm putting my money on the plus four and a half Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think the Bucs make a deep run into the postseason this year. The people that are saying they won't, and it's going to be tough for Tom Brady to jump into a new system. Obviously, it's offensive line. We can make all these predictions year in and year out. And the key to every single team in the NFL is their offensive line and can they stay healthy. Tampa Bay's offensive line, I don't think they've been great over the last couple of years. I couldn't even name anyone on the offensive line. And they do all the dirty work. I've said it on this podcast before. If there's an underrated position in any sport, it's the offensive line. Because they're the engine. They decide how far your team's going to go. But week one, I'm taking the Bucs, and yes, I do think they're going to make a deep playoff run. If you want to go against the greatest quarterback of all time, one who I hate, one who I'm reading a book about right now, and I hopefully at the end of it still don't like him, but I'm five chapters in, and the underdog story of Tom Brady is an amazing one, and now he's sitting at the king. He is the king of quarterbacks in the history of football. So you got Kansas City storyline. Can they repeat? You got Tampa Bay Tom Brady and the Bucks. Can they make a run? Tom Brady finally leaves New England after 20-something years, it felt like. And then the storyline that will always be there, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. You can't go any day during an NFL season where you don't flip on the TV to ESPN or Fox Sports 1, and the main thing being talked about is the Dallas Cowboys. They move the needle. Jerry Jones, their owner, always has something to say when it's convenient for him. And all we heard during this offseason was Dak Prescott and a contract that he did not sign. And I have my bet going that Dak Prescott will win a Super Bowl before I think Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz. And last night, saw Deshaun Watson still running for his life. So I like my bet with Dak Prescott. And now you got a new head coach in Mike McCarthy. We saw him in Green Bay. I know him and Aaron Rodgers butted heads by the end of it, and Rodgers ran him out of town. But I like McCarthy slinging the ball all over the football field and having a guy like Zeke Prescott or Zeke uh, Elliott behind Dak Prescott. Adding a rookie in CeeDee Lamb, who a lot of people had at the top of their draft boards when it came to a top-heavy, not even top-heavy, it was a receiver-heavy draft in CeeDee Lamb was at the top of that list for a lot of guys. Michael Gallup, they gave Amari Cooper $100 million if the Dallas Cowboys fail, which I do not like the Dallas Cowboys. Let me make that loud and clear right now. There's not a team in the NFL that I despise more than the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe the New England Patriots second, but Brady's gone. I don't care. I hope they're irrelevant. But the Dallas Cowboys, I could care less if they're good or not, but I do think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be good. But that's another interesting one. I think you could throw out a lot of stuff when it comes to Tom Brady being in a new system with a new head coach. But when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys having a new head coach and Mike McCarthy, that's going to be the key of Dak Prescott. How quickly can he pick up that new offensive system? And they haven't been together long. You could... You could Throw that out the window when we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think you have that advantage when you're talking about Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. You just don't. 
but I do think they're going to be a hell of a football team. They're in a trash division. Who are they competing with? The Washington football team. The New York Giants, who have a new head coach in Joe Judge, who have a dynamic running back in Saquon Barkley, who really hasn't been able to get it going in his first two years in the NFL. And then you got the Philadelphia Eagles, who have Carson Wentz, who always ends up hurt one way or another. And you had a receiving core that was actually worse than the New England Patriots last year, but you still found a way to get into the playoffs. Shout out to you. And that's a piss poor. We always talk about this division. I mean, it's always front and center because of the Dallas Cowboys. But over the last decade or so, eight and eight wins you that that division. I think it's happened two or three times. The Dallas Cowboys should run away with this division. They always underperform. But the one thing we've talked about over the last decade was when the hell are they going to run Jason Garrett out of town? When is Jerry Jones finally going to realize, hey, maybe this puppet of mine named Jason Garrett isn't working. I need to bring in a new guy. And Mike McCarthy, I hope he doesn't put up with Jerry Jones' bullshit. I hope he has full reins when it comes to this football team. And Dallas gets into the postseason. Because like I said, they moved the needle. And if Dallas is in the postseason, people are going to be watching. And I'm going to be rooting for him to lose. But I do like Dak Prescott. If I need him to win a Super Bowl, if they get to the Super Bowl, I've been on Dak's side the entire time. And shout out to a guy who didn't get his contract, but is going to show up to work and earn it that way and maybe even get a Super Bowl out of it. There's just a lot going on there. And let me shout out one more person. If you follow me on Twitter, you know rarely I drop all caps F-bombs. Everything in caps, F-bombs, F this guy, F that guy. I just don't do it. Especially when it comes to athletes, you'll probably never see me do it. But when it comes to people talking on TV, who are getting paid millions of dollars, who think their opinion is king, and who get paid like their opinion is king, I don't know why Fox Sports 1 continues to pay Skip Bayless, because we know what Skip Bayless is. He throws out the most absurd takes. He sits on takes for the longest time just to get a rise out of people. And yeah, I mean, that's his niche. It's poor. He sold out. He started in Dallas as a writer. Even, I mean, even then, I just read a book on the Cowboys over this thing. And he outed Troy Aikman in a book that said Troy Aikman might be gay. And that everyone knows that's a no-no. So what did he do now? What absurd take that he had. And there's one thing to have a stupid take like LeBron James isn't the greatest like LeBron James is shying away from the big shot at the end of games. He's been on that take for 10 years and LeBron has three NBA championships. But this week, I think he hit an all-new low. Dak Prescott lost his brother to suicide in April. And Dak Prescott did an article this week where he opened up about it. Opened up that he might have fell into depression during this coronavirus and after his brother committed suicide, which a normal feeling. It's a normal way to feel. You can drop down to your lowest point when that happens. You could, people deal with this all the time. That's a pandemic in itself in this country, depression. And so Skip Bayless on FS1, his show, is it uninterrupted? 
I don't know. I'll never watch him and Shannon Sharp. That's just something that will never be on my TV. But this week it made the rounds on Twitter that Dak Prescott came forward and said he fell into depression. And Skip Bayless had the nerve to actually say on national television that this guy is the quarterback, starting quarterback of America's team. And for him to say he went through depression is a weakness. Because you can't do that as a leader of America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. And I tweeted out absolutely positively, fuck this piece of shit on FS1 Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, known Dallas Cowboys fan, goes on there and says Dak Prescott is soft because he went out of his way to talk about a serious thing that could probably help a lot of people coming forward talking about it because he's the quarterback. Because somehow depression doesn't, it somehow discriminates. These things don't discriminate. Cancer, they don't discriminate against rich and famous people. Same thing happened a couple weeks ago. Paul George came out in the bubble and said, yeah, he was doing. He was in his, he was in his feelings. He was feeling a little bit depressed while stuck in a bubble playing a kid's game for millions of dollars for strictly our entertainment. And he came out and said that, and I'm sure that even helped a lot of people. I'm sure a bunch of NBA players were feeling the same way as Paul George, but Paul George talked about it. And then for people to shut these guys down, shut them out like, hey, you guys have millions of dollars. Don't talk about your problems to me. Get the fuck out of here. This is my biggest problem during this entire thing these last couple months. These athletes aren't human beings. And Skip Bayless, I mean, you just knew a horrible take was coming from Skip Bayless when all this came out with Dak Prescott. And I, I, stuff just hits me hard, and that one hit me right there. If his job was to get a rise out of me, he got it. And fuck Skip Bayless. I hope that's the last time we ever have to talk about this guy. I don't call for people's jobs, but Jesus Christ. Can you be a bigger sellout? That guy has no soul. He'll see anything. And God forbid his football team has a leader at quarterback that admitted to having depression. I wouldn't mind never hearing or seeing Skip Bayless ever again. But let's get back on track. I just had to go on a tangent about Skip Bayless. I just absolutely had to do it. He's the worst. Absolute worst. So right now, we talked about it. Chiefs, Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys, three top storylines. But there's one more that I want to keep an eye on, and I want to keep an eye on for a couple of different reasons. One being I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan, and they hadn't been good last year after going to the Super Bowl a couple of years back, and I have a solution to it all. If you remember the NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers drafted a quarterback in the first round when they had Aaron Rodgers as their starter, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. Has the Super Bowl already. And they had the nerve to take a quarterback one overall. And that's going to be a storyline in itself to the Green Bay Packers with Matt LaFleur at head coach. They won 13 games last year. A lot of people think those 13 games were a fluke. But if the Packers even slip up just a little bit, that talk about Jordan Love, ready or not, 
there's going to be talk about why they drafted Jordan Love. And I'm sure the Green Bay Packers and the behind the scenes are saying, you know what? Hey, if Aaron does slip up, people are actually going to understand why we took a quarterback. But then on the flip side, you could get a motivated Aaron Rodgers, who we all think is going to come out and absolutely destroy defenses like he has over the last decade or so. But if they do slip up, here's my reasoning. As a Los Angeles Rams fan, I mentioned that. Because, listen, man, there's Jared Goff. The Rams already paid him. Their offense just couldn't get it going last year for whatever reason. I think Sean McVay, I think since the Super Bowl, when Bill Belichick put him in a blender, when he got put in a blender by Bill Belichick, I think things changed tomorrow. I think everyone took that tape saw what Bill Belichick did, and they actually took it from the Bears in week eight of that season when the Rams were in freezing cold weather or kind of shut down on Sunday Night Football. And Bill Belichick did that in his implementation of the game and then added a few tweaks here and there, and the Rams couldn't do anything more boring Super Bowl ever. But if the Rams fall apart again, I don't think McVay will be the one to go. Jared Goff's already getting paid. Jared Goff's a young dude, but quite possibly the Rams could finish last in a very tough division with the Arizona Cardinals who are getting better, the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll as head coach and Russell Wilson, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. They'll always be there. And then obviously the San Francisco 49ers who went to the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl last season. So the Rams could quite possibly end up last in this league. And if you're a Rams fan, you know all the money was thrown around. Even this past week, they signed Jalen Ramsey, cornerback, to $105 million extension. Where that money's coming from, I don't know. But if Aaron Rodgers becomes available, if the Packers slip up, the Rams better be the first MFers to make that phone call. I haven't been a golf guy. I think there was a lot to that season where they went to the Super Bowl and I will say this he absolutely stepped up in that New Orleans Saints NFC championship game you could talk about the pass interference call that wasn't called but Jared Goff with Gurley a non-factor in that game absolutely stepped up but then there was the talk about McVay being in his head for the final 15 seconds in that microphone and telling him where and when to throw the football but I think if the Packers slip up, keep an eye on it. And if I'm a Rams fan, of course, I would take Aaron Rodgers any day of the week over Jared Goff twice on Sunday. So there's your four big storylines. Chiefs, Bucks, Cowboys, Packers. And if you want to throw another one in there, I do think New England for the first time. They won't be front and center when it comes to these storylines, but I think Cam Newton, him and his big personality, Bill Belichick trying to win without Tom Brady, there you go. That's how you round it up with your five storylines. I was going to be there all season long. Kansas City repeating. Tom Brady trying to win in a new system in Tampa Bay. The Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Jerry Jones is going to be talking. Are they the team to beat? Are they underperforming like they always do? And then you have... Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, still a top quarterback, falling off. Are the Packers for real? Are they fraudulent? And then, of course, the one I just mentioned, the New England Patriots. That's why I'm stoked for the NFL season because the prediction, the predictions. I'm not. Gonna, I will make a Super Bowl prediction in about five minutes. 
I will. Obviously, you know one half of it already. And if I spewed for the last 20 minutes, sorry. But I'm going to look at some spreads right now and make some picks coming into Sunday. I already told you I'm going Tom Brady. The first time an underdog in 70-plus games, plus four and a half in New Orleans. And then at 8.20 on Sunday Eastern time, 5 o'clock here in the Pacific, the L.A. Rams kicking off their new season at SoFi Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas right now is favored on the road, minus two and a half, and I am taking the Cowboys. All I need is a field goal. I think they win by a touchdown. I'm coming out this year with absolute takes that are not going to be, like you could take a clip from this podcast and say how wrong was I or how right I was. I'm not going to beat around the bush. The Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half is my lock of the week this Sunday. And then I'm trying to look at more over here. I think the Arizona Cardinals plus seven and a half going into San Francisco. That's another dog you got to ride. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake. Kyler Murray, Offensive Player of the Year last year. Yes, I'm a little bit biased. I traded Lamar Jackson in fantasy to have Kyler Murray as my quarterback. I think Arizona is going to be good, especially their offense. They'll be able to score. This is a great defense. I think that's the matchup of the weekend. Arizona, San Francisco. I'm taking Arizona with the touchdown. Give me the touchdown. So there you have it. You want a three-game parlay, you take the dog in Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. You take the dog in Arizona going into San Francisco. And then you take a road favorite in the Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half going against the Rams. And that's all I have for the NFL season. I'll make my Super Bowl prediction right here, right now. I said the Kansas City Chiefs will represent the AFC and the NFC. They're going to be coming out of the NFC West. And I'm going to tell you right now, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks will take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in this year's Super Bowl. And I think it'll be a good one. I don't know who I would root for in that one. I think if the Kansas City Chiefs win, a lot of people might start getting tired of them like we always do with anyone. We did it with the Golden State Warriors. We, have, we got tired of the New England Patriots real quick. I think Seattle and Kansas City will be a hell of a Super Bowl. And there you have it from me. And I'm going to finish this podcast, jump into the NBA real quick. Because the Los Angeles Lakers are up 3-1 against the Houston Rockets. One game away from advancing to the Western Conference Finals. And on the other side, the Los Angeles Clippers are up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets. It doesn't look like a series at all. And they're one win away from going to the Western Conference. And what did I say? We've been waiting for it. The Los Angeles Clippers and Lakers are going to meet up in the Western Conference Finals. And it's a shame this year it's in the bubble because I would love to see this series play out in Staples Center. When the Clippers really, for all these years, thought they had an actual home arena that they play in, but they were renting it out from the Lakers. They were the little brother. They'll always be the little brother. And Clipper home games, to see that play out with Laker fans by the thousands filling that arena, that would be a sight to see. And I think Lakers fans have a reason to be scared if you are. Admit it. You're a little bit scared of Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers. They got a lot of dudes. But the Lakers have been playing ball. Both of these teams have switches, and I think that series has a chance to go seven games, and we need to be fired up and ready for it. We got all sports on TV right now. 
every single time. I think yesterday on September 10th was the first time that MLS, NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL, the U.S. Open of tennis was all on at the same time. And then on the Eastern Conference side, the Miami Heat are waiting patiently after beating the Milwaukee Bucks in five games to see who they'll take on in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that decides tonight. The Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors will play a deciding Game 7 to see who takes on the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you listen to this podcast, you already know I've been having a crush on the Boston Celtics because Jason Tatum's my dude out of Duke, and I think he could be a number one guy in a championship team. And that Eastern Conference Finals going head-to-head with Jimmy Butler, please, yes, thank you. That's my dream matchup. But you know what you can't, you can't rule out? is that the Toronto Raptors, when they were down 2-0 in this series, they got that .5 second shot off. Then they went, they tied the series 2-2, then dropped 3-2, and then went into double overtime like dogs to force a Game 7. And if you don't remember, Kawhi Leonard shot in Game 7 last year against the Philadelphia 76ers that hit every part of the rim before falling down. That was a Game 7, and that's a Game 7 all these guys for Toronto played in. They know what to expect. In a bubble or not, they've played in an important game seven and they've gotten the reps to win. And the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, when they were young pups, they went to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this one's going to be a dandy. Last game, it was a double overtime, 125-122 win for Toronto. This game seven, the two greatest words in sports, game seven. Please, let's go. I'm fired up. We're about to have our conference final set. I don't think Houston or Denver even have a chance to even get past the Clippers and Lakers. I think that's a done deal. And I think Boston-Toronto is going to be a hell of a one tonight. Hockey, maybe I'll watch the Stanley Cup final. I do know that the Las Vegas Knights and Dallas Stars are playing in the Western Conference final of the Stanley Cup playoff. And I don't even know if I want to say the other conference because I don't know the teams that are in it. I know the Islanders are playing someone, but I'm not too sure about it. And that's why hockey is not my, it's not my number one sport. So why even talk about it? But thank you for tuning in to the 10 after seven podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 after seven or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore seven.